Welcome to More Than a Therapist, a podcast for ambitious and creative clinicians who want to build careers beyond the couch. I'm your host, Davia Roberts, and I hope you're ready for today's session. Today, we're going to talk about positioning yourself as a thought leader with Danielle Swim. When I thought about the topic of thought leadership for an episode, Danielle was the first person to pop it in my head, and for quite a few reasons. Um... Not only is she an entrepreneurial therapist leading workshops, hosting a podcast, and teaching other clinicians how to build profitable businesses, but she models what it means to put yourself out there and to position yourself as a thought leader and an industry expert. But more importantly, she is the type of person who shares her resources and doesn't gatekeep all the goods. So I am very excited to have her here, and I hope she's ready to share all these practical steps so y'all can position yourselves as thought leaders as well. And so without further delay. Welcome to the show, Danielle. I'm very, very happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I know I'm like just so excited to talk to you. This is always such a good conversation. Well, thank you. Likewise, I'm excited too. Um, One of the things, obviously, I've followed you online for a while. I've been on your podcast and I know that you've been a business coach for therapists for, for quite some time now. So you're already familiar with the challenges that we face, not only as a coach, but personally, because you're a therapist too, right? Right. We know the importance of choosing a specialty, having these certifications, all of that, right? But I think it's a little bit harder to legitimize ourselves when it comes to thought leadership, when we think about social media, like LinkedIn or Instagram. Mm -hmm. For those of us who don't want to build a private practice, maybe we just want to do consulting on the side, have a speaking engagement or design therapeutic programs. A lot of us are a little confused. Not a lot. Uh, No, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because we want to be trusted as therapists, right? Like at what point do we need to start refining our voice so that we can see ourselves or position ourselves as industry experts. Right. I love, you know, the fact that you're talking about being like a thought leader in the mental health field. First of all, there's not enough of them. Like there really needs to be a lot more therapists that are positioning themselves as thought leaders. So I think like your podcast and the topics you talk about are exactly what's needed for this field because I've never even heard anyone else talk about it, to be honest, and it needs to be happening more. Now we have opportunity to do that as therapists in 23. Like there's a lot of opportunity. And I really like the idea when we're talking about thought leadership is building a personal brand. So even if you don't want to, let's say, be in private practice or you're not even at the point where you want to offer services, if you can start building your own personal brand online, which is free to do, I wouldn't say it's easy to do, but you just download an app and then you start posting, that is how you can start positioning yourself as a leader within whatever you know niche that you're in in the mental health industry. And you can start doing that really early on in the field. I love seeing grad students who are posting online as like therapist in training. This is what I'm learning. Like that is so authentic and cool. I'm cheering them on and I know their audience is doing the same. So you can do this as early as grad school. And then especially once you're out of it, you definitely have the opportunity to start sharing your thoughts online as an expert in the mental health field. But what was that process like for you? How did you get started? 
Yeah, I started doing it, um, you know, and I remember like living in like this small apartment and starting this Instagram account called Entrepreneurial Therapist and having no idea what I'm doing and thinking (laughs) nobody was ever going to follow me. I had zero followers, so it's not like I converted an account to it. I didn't have any followers. And I just was so excited about starting my own practice as a therapist that I wanted to share it. And I messed up a lot. Like I posted things that I then deleted because it made me so nervous to put myself out there. That happened a lot the first year I was on Instagram. I would post something on stories about me talking about something with private practice. And then a few minutes later, my anxiety would be high. And I'd be like, oh, I said it weird or I look weird or someone's going to think something. So then I would delete it. Now I never do that. Because if you are making mistakes, like say you stutter on a story or on a post, like on a reel, it's actually very authentic. People can resonate with it very well. But what is happening this first year that you're really positioning yourself as a thought leader, you're sharing your own thoughts, you have to build that muscle where you can tolerate the anxiety of other people watching you and the potential for them to criticize you. So give yourself grace. But I had to build that muscle. And man, it's uncomfortable. And you know it. You do it too. Um, And so like that's what people don't expect. They expect to show up and to feel 100% confident all the time. And that's just not the reality of it. I mean, I love the fact (laughs) that you were just honest about it. Because yes, words of affirmation are my love language. Right? Like that is my number one love language. Obviously, that becomes a double-edged sword because the other side of that, when I receive harsh criticism, I'm like, ouch, 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 ouch. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I can easily internalize that. And I think for a lot of clinicians, it is very easy to get caught up in this, to get in your head. Because mm-hmm. I think there is an expectation that if you're a therapist, then you need to have this perfect presentation that simply isn't realistic. And it's, in my opinion, it's really dehumanizing because it doesn't give us space to grow as people either, but giving yourself grace to be human. And so as you were going through that learning period and just getting more comfortable putting yourself out there, what I've noticed is you don't talk about everything under the sun. You don't talk about Mm -hmm. all things mental health and you have definitely curated a particular brand. What steps did you take? to really figure out here's what I want to be known for and here's how I'm going to get people to want to hear me talk about these things. Right. This is such a good question. We just were talking about this in my mastermind. You know, it was therapists that are just getting on Instagram. And so it's like the question always is, what do I talk about? If I am going to be showing up on social media as a therapist, what do I talk about? And I think what can confuse your audience the biggest is when you're jumping from one topic to the next, and then they don't know what to expect from you. While we also want to balance that you do need a more holistic view of what you're going to be posting about. So we don't want you to be super serious and only talk about, let's say, anxiety for moms. We also want, if you have a dog, I want to see your dog on Instagram. (laughs) Like the humanness needs to be there. That's what makes social media so different than the other, you know, forms of thought leadership that were happening before. There's a personal touch that your audience needs to connect with you. So my favorite way to do this, 
Um, and I did this kind of early on, but it took me a while to even learn about this technique. Jasmine Starr talks about it a lot, who teaches social media. But if you can have like content buckets. So if you know what your content is going to be around, and I like to have like six to nine, and it's just different categories. So for me, you will see me talk about motherhood because I'm a mom. But then you'll also see me talk about burnout because I have to as a therapist working with therapists. You'll also see me talk about marketing because I'm talking about private practice. And I just go through the content buckets like that. And they shape and shift as I do, you know, about different things I'm interested in. But all of it is around the common theme of private practice. That's my focus for everything. So when I talk about motherhood, I'm normally talking about it from the standpoint of how is this affecting me as a working mom? I'm not necessarily talking about here's how you sleep train a baby, yeah. you know, because that wouldn't make sense, right? So we do it from a, a very singular lens and then create the buckets around that. That keeps you really organized so you know what you're talking about. You're not like, how? Do, what do I show up and talk about today? And now your audience knows what to expect from you. And this is how you gain momentum and people start to trust your consistency and your content. I love that. And I think it also re removes this pressure that we have to, to know everything in order to be considered an expert, because that's simply not the case. People want to know, what's your specialty? When it comes to mental health, I know to talk to this person about anxiety, this person about postpartum. Mm -hmm. Like You have your go-to people. But like you said, when you refine it, people see you as that particular expert. And that's what we need, that, that type of leadership. So... What do you think is the biggest challenge for a therapist, you know, in your mastermind when they're trying to position themselves as a thought leader? What is the most common challenge that you're seeing? The biggest challenge that they face is somebody else has already done this because Instagram now has been around for a little while. It's not the new kid on the block anymore. <laughs> um, and TikTok is big now. It's somebody else, some other therapist has already said it. Should I be stepping up to the plate and doing this at this point? Or am I too late to the game? And that is a big one. And then another one is they're really scared to show themselves like on camera. They think that their family's going to think it's weird or other therapists are going to think like, why are they doing this? Um, a big one, and I think you probably noticed this before the lockdown was, is this ethical? <laughs> I don't feel like that's talked about as much. We've more accepted that. Yeah. But when I was starting out before pandemic, it was like, should therapists be on Instagram? That was a big conspiracy almost. Because how can and we be a blank like, slate if we actually show we right. have a life? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's a, that some therapists still do struggle with that, but not so much anymore. It's more accepted. Um, but the answer is, I love like when I'm coaching therapists is it hasn't been heard in your voice yet. And that's what's important because I'm a business coach for therapists. There's a lot of us out here, you know, but it's said through my own voice. And there was a lot of coaches when I started too. And that came up for me as well. But I knew that they didn't have my same lived experience and people are going to connect differently with me than they are like the bigger players in the game. And it's true. It's been proven true as I've gone through it. No, I totally agree. There will always be someone who has done or spoken about what you want to speak about, but there is something about our own personalities, our own professional backgrounds, and something that 
often gets discounted is our lived experiences. There is something totally mm -hmm. different about a therapist who's a survivor of interpersonal violence, who also now supports right. survivors of interpersonal violence. I'm like, yeah, oh. they, they have something different that people are going to resonate right. with. We don't want to discount them from adding their voice to the conversation. So we all have something that we can add. Now, you did speak to the discomfort of putting ourselves out there, whether that's on TikTok, on Instagram, doing the videos. One thing that pops into my head is around having conversations with the media. But for folks who want to take it a step further than that, who want to say, I want to get beyond just my, my audience right now, how do I get taken seriously so that I can be featured and speak on these national events, different things that are going on in the world. What does that look like? Yeah, and I think like more therapists should be asking that question because, you know, what I have found in um, the media features I've gotten through my practice is once a journalist finds you, you know, they are so excited. This is a licensed therapist that they can go to again and again and actually feature your stuff. Like, you're going to be a goldmine for them. Yeah. And you really want to see yourself as that when you are, you know, signing up for HARO and when you're reaching out to different media sources, like trying to build up that credibility. And so, like, you know, in your example, it's like, how do I get on these national stages? Let's start with, like, the local ones, too. And then you can build up, you know, you've been featured in Yahoo or you've been featured on Bustle in these different places. And then you can start to, like, build more of a media kit or a speaker kit and then start to go for those, like, national stages, too. But then I like the idea of being featured in media to see if you actually like it. Like, see if you like being able to be a resource where people, journalists can come to you about different topics. And then if you do like it, there is such a need for it. It can really help you become seen as that thought leader in the mental health field because it gives you so much credibility. The other thing I will say about it is you don't need to do anything else different than what you're doing right now to be credible, to be featured in the media. You don't need an extra certificate. You don't need to be in business longer. You are a therapist in the mental health field. You have gone through a lot of school. You are very credible to be quoted talking about mental health. Please remember there are coaches and people on TikTok who don't even call themselves coaches who are being quoted about self-care and talking about their own experience with mental health. So we definitely have the credibility to go for it when it comes to the media. I mean, I mean, there's so many things that you've said that I want to catch up on, but that last part, I, I know you're making faces. Oh my you're making it hard for me. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. But I'm like, we are some of the most certificate having, I need to find something else. I have to prove myself with this. And it's like, all of this extra work isn't necessary. Like we have so much expertise and we're running ourselves into the ground, trying to prove to ourselves that we know what we're talking about. And I know that's not everyone. Some people are very confident in their lane. And I love that, but I definitely see this frequent ongoing trend where therapists are just overcompensating. But for the person who is listening to this conversation and is saying, Danielle, so that Bustle article that you mentioned, yeah, I don't have that horror. Who was that? How do I? 
mm-hmm. <laughs> for the person yeah. who doesn't even know what Haro is, who hasn't had someone reach out to them before, where can they start to potentially build that media kit that you mentioned? Right. And this is, and I started in that same place. No one was reaching out to me. That's for sure. So what I did was I signed up, I signed up for help a reporter out. So it's, you know, the acronym we're using is HARO. It stands for help a reporter out. It's free. You sign up for it. They send you, um, you know, inquiries daily that journalists are looking to feature experts in the field. It goes right to your email inbox. If you have a client cancellation or if you're on your lunch break, you can look and see which ones you want to respond to. And then you have the potential to be featured in um, an article. Here's some tips I'm going to give you about that because now a lot of people are using Haro, so it can be a little bit more competitive. I would recommend that you answer these emails, um, you know, within like 30 to 60 minutes after they're sent out. If you wait, let's say 12 hours or the next day, there seems to be a less likelihood that you're actually going to be featured because there's so many going out. And then I would also, I've had this happen to myself and other therapists I've worked with, where you don't think you were featured and you actually are. They sometimes don't come back and tell you that they used, they might have used like one sentence Mm -hmm. from you, they pulled from you, and then they're using like seven other experts in that article, so they don't even reply to you. Um, So you want to do a Google alert and make sure that you're alerted if they're using your practice name, if that's what you're giving them in an article. Now, what's really cool is what happened happened to me is I was featured in an article that was like, I think it was more of a local article. And then I think it was within a few months that blog post that that journalist wrote was then picked up by Yahoo!, So then I was actually featured in Yahoo, and then um, I got featured in Bustle a different way. So now me just responding to one email on my lunch break, I now have a feature in Yahoo, and I've been featured in Bustle. And on my website, it can say, as seen Mm -hmm. on Yahoo and Bustle, because it is technically there, but I just responded to one. So sometimes it'll get picked up down the line, which is why I want you to keep checking so that you know. It's also great for search engine optimization if they're linking your website like that. So it's just really good exposure in general, which will be great for positioning you as a thought leader. Since the media is always changing, how can they maintain their status with thought leadership, even as all these platforms are changing, going away, shifting? Like, how do you, how do you keep your voice out there? Right. Yeah. And I think that's what overwhelms so many therapists too, is it is changing really rapidly if you think about it with, you know, where thought leaders are going, how they're finding exposure, and then where they're finding exposure is changing too. So if you became big on LinkedIn, you know, and then that's changing, um, you know, I've seen and and talked to some therapists that became really well known on TikTok. Now there's all this stuff going on with TikTok being banned in certain places. And so people are scrambling like should I go to YouTube and da 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 and it's like I think you know when you build a personal brand in terms of positioning yourself as a thought leader it's really important that wherever you are you can see that you're really renting space there you know but you're really starting to cultivate a community that is looking to you as an expert and you can go into this knowing that whatever space you're in is going to change, whether it be media or a social media app, it's ever evolving. 
But the trust you build with the community there, that can stay. So I really like the idea of like when therapists are positioning themselves as a thought leader in any of these spaces, we want to always direct people to an email list, which you you keep and you're not renting, and that's not going to be changing. You have their email addresses. And then, of course, your website. You know, because those are the two places that you have a lot more control over versus what the media is doing or an Instagram algorithm changing everything for you or you losing your account. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty there, right? And so I want you to have their email addresses. I want you to be connecting with them over email instead and focusing on these other places. But having that security of an email address keeps your audience with you as a thought leader. But you bring up being able to access your audience, even if even if these platforms go away, because I remember, you know, your account being shut down and mm-hmm. I've had my account mysteriously shut down by Instagram and then getting an email that said, oops, our bad. Here you go. <laughs> right. And other people right. having theirs hacked for money. And so there are so many different things outside of our control. But you speak to this really great point about housing your audience with email mm-hmm. lists, with a Patreon script, subscription, whatever that is, yeah. where you can still access people or people can still find you, whether it's, like you said, email, your website, so that your voice doesn't magically go away from the conversation if an app does. Right. A podcast is another great place. You know, I think that's a really good place too, where people can find you and it's not so much about an algorithm changing. You bring a podcast, what would you say are the five different ways or the main ways that someone can solidify themselves as a thought leader? Because we have social media, you said a podcast, what would you say are other ways that people can can look into solidifying their status? Yeah, social media is a big one. I think that's everyone's go-to, and I support that. You can definitely do a podcast, which is often paired with being on social media somewhere. Having a blog post, I do not think blogging is dead. I do think that can still be alive and, and well, and it can actually really help your online presence with SEO. So blogging, if you like writing, go for it. Do not think that's dead in 23. Um, YouTube is another big platform that I think is just going to be growing for therapists. Anything with video seems to just be growing more and more. And then, of course, going to press. That would be my fifth one because then you're getting so much exposure and it's directing people back to hopefully your email list and your website. Absolutely. No, those are great. And I think those are overlooked. It doesn't have to be a major media company for our work to be legitimized, for us to be considered a thought leader. And if we're being honest, sometimes when we want those major opportunities, they're looking at the work we've already done. They're on your YouTube channel to see what you have to offer. And that could be that interview. You don't know about it, but they're getting to know you through that work that's already out there. Like you said, whether it's a blog post, or even a book. I know people that have speaking engagements mm. and they'll bring, a, they'll bring a book. And those are all great ways for us to start thinking about what do we want to be known for? How can we own that in the marketplace and solidify our standing as thought leaders through these different avenues that you've mentioned? So this is really, really helpful. I expect, I'm not going to say everyone, but I expect a lot of y'all to go ahead and get signed up for HARO, help a <laughs> reporter mm-hmm. out. <laughs> But before I let you go, what are the two main pieces of advice that you would leave with someone who really just wants to get started and they're a little nervous? 
Yeah, I would say be nervous and do it anyway. Like I was so nervous and some days I still am nervous. So I understand the nerves. But you can also look at it as your competitors or the other people that are out there. Um, this really sets you apart from the competition. If you can do something even when you doubt yourself and are nervous, this is going to set you apart from the rest. And then the second piece of advice I would say is it's not too late. You can still start today, no matter where you're at in your career, no matter what platform you're going towards. Today is still a really good day to get started. I love that. Well, thank you. Before I let you go, I want you to join me for the hot seat. The hot yes, seat. I'm excited for this. <laughs> Let's go. It's our final segment where I ask you 10 rapid fire questions and you apply with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Ready. All right. So we're going to start on a nice, lovely note. With, when was the last time you cried happy tears? When my three-year-old daughter said, Mama, I'm proud of you. Aww. I started bawling. It's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> See, that's a good one. See, okay. Yes. I, I'm happy I put yes. that question there. Okay. <laughs> Me too. Oh, Where do you feel most at peace? Outside in nature. Okay. What do you enjoy about being a coach for therapists? I love getting to know therapists on a personal level, seeing them really morph and change, like doing things when they're nervous and seeing the victories just makes my day. It really lights me up. And what would you say is a go-to affirmation for when a therapist has imposter syndrome? Keep your head down and focused on the finish line. Ignore all the distractions and all the voices coming up in your head. Just stay focused. What's an overlooked piece of advice for thought leadership on Instagram? I would say consistency. So don't worry about the perfection. Worry about being consistent and being authentic to who you are. And you will all, that's guaranteed success on social media. Just stay consistent. I like that. How can therapists land HARO opportunities? Again, with the consistency, consistently answer emails, give really good pieces of content that can be used, and eventually you will be featured. And what's the most challenging thing about being a coach for therapist? How much the therapy world changes, how quickly it's changed in the past five years, keeping up with these different trends in the ever-evolving mental health world. Mm -hmm. Last show you watched on Netflix? Jury duty. Hilarious. <laughs> Highly recommended. So good. Um, one song that brings you joy. Um, my my workout song that I, I listened to yesterday was um, the new Tiesto song. I think it's called Chills. And the most important question, have you finished your notes this week? No, I have not. <laughs> I will be very honest about that. <laughs> There's no judgment in that. You still have time. It's not even Friday yet. So you're going to work it out. I believe in you. <laughs> yes, I will. I'll work it out. <laughs> but I want to say thank you for joining me for the hot seat. Thank you for sharing just all this useful information, whether it's Haro, how to show up online, getting over just being in our heads, all of that mess. For the folks that want to learn more about you, stay connected, whether it's about joining your mastermind for therapists in private practice, hearing about your, your podcast, how can folks connect with you online? 
Yes, you can definitely find me on Instagram at Entrepreneurial Therapist. Um, I also have a free SEO guide for beginners. That's how I filled my practice using search engine optimization. If you want to download that, the link will be in the show notes for that as well. And then you can always check out my website, um, entrepreneurialtherapist.com, and my own podcast that I release episodes weekly on private practice building, which is the Entrepreneurial Therapist podcast. All y'all got to do is Google entrepreneurial therapist. You're going to find Danielle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I work hard for that. Make sure it shows up. <laughs> so that SEO labor was not in vain. Um, but for those of you who are interested in learning more about Danielle, her coaching program, the podcast, the blog, that SEO download, be sure to check out today's episode notes at more than a therapist.co.